things that she was talking about. And so in the topic that we're going to be talking about of the value of being alone with God, what in the world does that have to do, that video, what does that have to do with anything about learning how to be alone? Have you ever tried to read your Bible and have your phone next to you? It's rather difficult. <laughs> it's rather difficult. Yes, it is. It's very, very difficult. Um, or any distractions for that matter. Like maybe even your house might be a little bit chaotic at times. And that you maybe you try to read your Bible at like, I don't know, like the kitchen table or maybe in the kitchen or whatever. And uh, or maybe at an island in the kitchen or maybe in the living room or something like that. But there's constant busyness going on. I mean, how fruitful is your time with the Lord going to be? No, not at all. And I believe that in our culture that we <clears throat> we are in a position where there's so many things that are that are competing for our attention. In fact, that's what our paragraph talks about. So let me just read it. I'm going to finish reading it. So we talked about how we live in perilous times. Our world is an ever-increasing technological world that constantly battles for our attention. And so distractions abound now more than ever. Our minds are relentlessly occupied. Our hearts are, are divided so quickly and self rules and reigns in our hearts very, very easily. And the concept of stillness, solitude, and silence are completely foreign for some and frightening for others. Yet when the scriptures are searched, we find that men and women, the men and women that God used the most to minister to others, were the ones that learned the value of being alone with the Lord and practiced this habit often. And off the top of my head, I was just thinking about Samuel. You know, he was laying down to sleep and he heard God call his name three times. Uh, David, I mean, he was by himself in a cave spending time with God. And that never stopped with him. Daniel, even when he was in, in the Babylonian Empire, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And when it became the Medes and the Persians, he still prayed to God three times a day. Paul was by himself in Arabia for, I think it was like almost three and a half years before coming back to Jerusalem to minister. Uh, Peter would often spend some time alone. Um, Jesus spent his time alone up on the mountaintop all the time before making important decisions and other things in his life. And so as they spent alone time with God, they were able to grasp God's heart for the world. And so the question that I want to ask us is how often are you alone with God? Like alone. It's just you and him. Not you by yourself reading the Bible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you with the Lord consciously talking to him before you open your Bible. That when you read his word, you know that he's speaking to you. I mean, when was the last time that you were really alone with God? You know, reading your Bible and praying can become a very, very easy habit to get into if you're just a little bit disciplined. But there are times where I read my Bible and I forget what I'm doing. And so when I open up my Bible, I often have to just stop myself before I even read it. And I have to have a good heart-to-heart conversation with the Lord before I go any farther in the Bible because I know that I'm taking him for granted in that moment. That I'm forgetting that I'm spending time with him. And so how often are you alone with God? There should be at least one moment with, throughout the day where you have good quality time with God. When was the last time you were truly alone with the Lord and spent good quality time with him? And it would do us well to learn this discipline and, you, and utilize it often. So, um, you know, ironically, like even yesterday, I know that Trevor and I were even talking a little bit about this. And, um, and you know, it's not like when, whenever you're being discipled or you're being or you're following someone else's pattern of, of how they walk with God. Like that's all well and good and stuff. But there comes a point where you have to walk with God. 
like just because somebody else does certain things in their life to walk with God, like maybe the person that, that you look up to or the person that, that is discipling you, maybe they wake up every morning at like 4 a.m. because they're freaks and they read their Bible for three hours at a time before going off and doing school or whatever. And uh, I'm like, that doesn't happen. I had a short stint in my life where I woke up at 4.30 every morning and I spent about two hours in the Bible. And that lasted uh, maybe about a year, year and a half. And I tell you what, that time that I spent with God was the most precious time that I've ever had with him. And I've never been able to have time like that with God because my life has gotten way too busy between my kids, my wife, my family, my job. There's been a lot of things that take priority and I miss that time. I really do. And so there's parts of me where I am like eager to get back to, and to do some of those things again, but I know it's not going to be like it was. And so I can, in my mind, I can set this standard of, well, I'm not going to be godly unless I do that. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You know, when you're born again, when you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's this thing that comes with Jesus and it's called freedom. And that you have the freedom to actually have a real relationship with God. And so you might define a successful Christian as X, Y, and Z. But the problem is if that's what you define it as and then you fail at it, then guess what you're going to think of yourself? You're a failure. And that God is not pleased with you. And that's baloney. That's ridiculous. That's not how relationships work. That's not how they should work. And it doesn't work that way with God. And so you have to learn how to live your relationship with God the way that you are supposed to. And what does that mean for you? I don't know what that means for you. You know, maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you should be and you're just lazy. But if not, maybe you just need to start spending some good quality time with God in the afternoon or in the evening before bed. Maybe if you're so lazy that you'll fall asleep, you know, and you try to spend time with God before bed that you're just lazy and you fall asleep, then you do need to get up in the morning. You need to do it. I don't know what that means for you. But often we compare ourselves with other people and we think that we're not as godly because we're not meeting the certain standards or the certain patterns that other people set in our life. And that's ridiculous. That's not how it works. I mean, think about it among the disciples. Peter, James, and John were the three closest disciples. But Peter was Peter. John was John and James was James. I mean, none of those guys were the same as the other. And yet they all had a real relationship with God. So there's nowhere in the Bible that says, in order to be a good Christian, you must do these three things every single day. That's ridiculous. But God needs you to have a relationship with him. So what does that mean for you? And so you need to start stepping out on your own and actually having a real relationship with God. So when was the last time that you were truly alone with God, that you were just with him and you were just flat out open and honest about who you are, your life, your circumstances, the desires of your heart? When was the last time? Because that's what God wants. He doesn't want some sort of a ritualistic, religious thing with you. That's fake. It's, it's what hypocrites do. And it never works. It always falls apart. Real Christianity is a real relationship with God. Like as if he was sitting across from you in the morning and he was talking with you face to face. That's what I'm talking about. And it can actually be that real if you believe it. And so there's three things that I just want to talk about when it comes to the value of being alone with God. If you decide to take that chance and kind of disconnect like that lady was talking about, instead of looking like an idiot with the headphones on and not knowing what the person in front of you is saying, which often a lot of Christians look like that, that's why we did that illustration, then there's three things that will start to happen in your life, and it's very, very valuable. Go to Lamentations 3. Lamentations. So Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. So right after Jeremiah, you got the book of Lamentations, and it's a short, short book, but Lamentations chapter 3. God bless you. You're welcome. 
Lamentations chapter 3. So the first thing I want to talk about is this. Your relationship with God will become real and very precious to you. So if you take advantage of the time to be alone with God, then you will find that your relationship with God is something that is very real and very, very precious to you. And just like John 15 talks about, where Jesus says, For without me you can do nothing, that actually is going to happen in your life. You're actually going to feel that way about Jesus Christ. That literally you can do nothing without him. He's going to become so precious to you that you cannot take one day without spending time with him. And it will become very, very real in your life. Because a lot of people don't even believe in God. But I'm telling you, people that don't believe in God have never taken the chance to be alone with him. Because God every morning is willing to be, to, to be the person that is waiting for you. Like he's waiting to meet with you. He's waiting to be with you. And it's really up to you whether or not you're going to be with him. So Lamentations 3, I like these verses. 3 and take a look at verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now, what do I mean by that when I talk about being alone with God and having this kind of an attitude? Um, there's been times where it may look like I'm like crazy, but like I'm sitting either at my desk or I'm sitting in my car or I'm taking a shower and I just, I need to talk to God. And I've talked about this when we talked about prayer, that it's not just something that's in my head talking to God. No, I mean like actually talking to God because I know that he hears me, but there's something inside of me that like, Unless I'm willing to vocalize it, I really don't mean it. Like today, this morning, I had a heart-to-heart with God this morning. And I was taking a shower this morning, and I had a good heart-to-heart with him. And I'm like, God, I know. I know that, you know, if I say this, I've got to really mean it. And I'm like talking to him. I'm just talking to him like this. But it meant something to me. And I had to talk to God like that. That's what I'm talking about. And you might call me nuts, but I'm not nuts because I know that God hears me. And I know that I have a relationship with him. When have you done that? Have you ever done that? You know, maybe that you don't even know God or that you're not even saved. Have you ever talked to God like that? You know, even if you're just honest. I think a lot of people are, are unwilling to be honest with God and say, God, I'm just really struggling and I'm really mad at you right now. I mean, that's very healthy for you to do. Because if you're willing to admit that and actually talk to him and tell him that, then God can actually work with you and he can help you and you can spend time with him. And it will be, it will be amazing if you just let him. And you have that kind of time with them. But it's good. It's good that we would do that. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 2. Because if you have that kind of a relationship with God, and David had that kind of relationship with God, he wrote Psalm 119, then this is what's going to happen. Being alone with God and finding out that he's very valuable to you, this will happen in your life. Verse 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and here it is, and that seek him with the whole heart. So let me ask you, how important is your future? Does it mean anything to you? Or have you just given up on it? If your future and your future days are very valuable to you, I would be in great discussions about those days with the Lord. Asking him to help guide you. Because when you think about your future, especially when you're at your guys' age, it can be very overwhelming. Because, I mean, even those of you that are going to be going to college, like trying to pick the right college, 
can be overwhelming. Trying to pick the right career path and the right degree. I mean, some of the pressure they put on you guys at school is flat out just ridiculous. I'm just being honest. And you guys know it, so it's nothing new. <laughs> but it's ridiculous some of the pressure they put on you guys. But have you ever just sat down and just talked to God about your future, about your life, about the things that worry you, the things that bring you anxiety, or the things that you're unsure about, the things that, you know, that if you sat and you thought about them too long that you would freak out about? Have you ever just talked about those things with God? Because he wants you to. And when you do that, you have the opportunity to seek him with your whole heart. And when you do that, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 will become just completely relevant in your life. Anyone know those ones? Yep. Yes, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So if you really want that with your heart, then you'll talk to him about it. Or if your future really doesn't matter, then you'll never talk to him about it. And then you're just going to end up making some bad decisions. And I know a lot of people that have made bad decisions and they keep making bad decisions and they just keep bouncing from one point to the next, not really having any direction in their life. So if you're willing to do that, then your relationship with God will become very real and precious to you. Uh, number two, if you're willing to be alone with God, then you will be able to eliminate distractions and focus properly. Um, that's really important, to eliminate distractions and focus properly. Um, I wish we had time to look at, at all these verses. Um, all right, let's go to 1 Kings 19. Let's go there. 1 Kings 19. Let's go there quickly. 1 Kings 19. All right, so 1 Kings 19, you've got Elijah. And he just went through and had an amazing, amazing victory. Um, he faced the uh, prophets of Baal, and he had the altars, and he doused everything. And they you know, cried night and day for Baal to send fire down from heaven, and it didn't happen. And they were cutting themselves and yelling out, and he was making fun of them and all that kind of stuff. And then they, he ended up pouring more water onto his altar, and God sent fire down from heaven, and it licked up everything. Everything was absolutely gone. And so it proved that God was true, and the false gods were liars. And so he has this great, great victory. And then in chapter 19, it's almost like he does a complete U-turn and he goes to one of the lowest points ever. So verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel, who is not someone to look up to, sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she threatens Elijah's life. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. So he runs away from this woman. I mean, God just miraculously delivered him and sent fire down from heaven. And now he's afraid of Jezebel and he runs for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. So now he wants to die. And, the, and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father. See, this is the kind of relationship he has with God. He's alone with God. No one else is around. And he's just flat out honest. He's just flat out honest. God, just take me. Just kill me now. It's better for me to die than to live. And then it says, As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights. Man, what a meal. Unto Horeb, 
the mount of God. And then listen to this. I love this. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? To what are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind, that's the first thing, rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so I love this picture here. He's going to go stand before God, and God brings a great wind, a great earthquake, and fire, but God is not in that stuff. And when I think about this, just from a devotional perspective, there are times in our life where we have to just sit, and we just have to, just got to chill out. Like, there are moments where there might be a great wind, there might be a great earthquake, and your life is just shaken I mean, and things are just completely upside down. Or there's a fire that comes through and you lose things in your life that you had and you don't have them anymore. And even for the wind, for that matter, it just blows everything around around, and there's nothing in order any longer. But then after all those things, if you just let those things settle, then God desires to speak through that. Because too many times I think our excuses are, well, I don't have time to spend with God because of the wind. I got to get stuff in order. Well, I don't have time to spend with God because of the earthquake. Everything's just upside down and I'm freaking out. Well, I don't have time to spend with God because of the fire. There's stuff that's gone and I need to go replace it again. And it's like, no, it's not about any of that stuff. If you just let those things pass and you just sit and be still, just you and God, he has some things that he wants to teach you. There's some things that he wants to show you. And you'll find that they are the most amazing things you can ever imagine. And I'm telling you, this has been my testimony those times in my life where I have just, all right, God, what do you want me to hear? God, I'm super frustrated, and this is what's going on in my life, and there's this and this and this and this and this. I know who you are. What do you want me to hear? And you just take your time. You open up the Word. You read. You pray. And you talk with Him, and you'd be amazed at the things that you'll learn about yourself, about your circumstances, about the decisions that you should make and you shouldn't make. You need to value that alone time with God. And then lastly here is that you will unlock access to all the wisdom you will ever need. We'll go to Proverbs 18, and this will be it. Proverbs 18. So if you want to make good decisions, you want to be wise in your life, then uh, you got to do this. you got to get alone with God. You have to. It's got to be something that is a great desire that you have. And then we'll finish here. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Somebody read that one. 18.1. Noah. Noah. Okay, so through what? Desire. Desire. That's a key word. Through desire, a man having, what's the word there? Separated himself. Okay, if you really want to get alone with God, you have to have enough desire to separate yourself from whatever it is that's getting in the way. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. You've got, to, you've got to have enough self-discipline to separate yourself and do it. If you don't have enough self-discipline to actually separate yourself, you're never going to get any wisdom. 
You're never going to be able to spend any time with God. It's never going to happen. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. All wisdom. So you have the ability to have all the wisdom at, at your disposal if you're willing to have a heart for it and separate yourself to seek it and work in it. Intermeddleth, that's what it means. Intermeddleth, that you're dealing with it. That's what it says. If you're willing to believe that, then your time with God is going to become very, very valuable. And it should be a time that no one else has, that no one else can touch, that nothing else can touch. It's just in between you and God alone. That no one else can interrupt it. No one else can interfere. Nothing is more important than your alone time with God. Because it's that important to you. It's that valuable to you. It's that's how much you need it. Or if you don't think you need God, then it's never going to be that important to you and you're never going to separate yourself to go after that wisdom. So it really does come down to that. So out of all those things and with all the craziness of our life today, with the things that are trying to grab our attention, now more than ever, you guys need to learn this. Because if you don't learn this, then you're not going to make good decisions. Because you can't make decisions just because someone else tells you it's a good decision. You can't walk with God because someone else is walking with God that particular way. You need to walk with God. You need to make these decisions personally without anybody else telling you what's right or wrong but the Lord. That's it. That's the only way you know this is real. Otherwise, you're just following another person. And how do you actually know that this whole Christianity thing is even real to begin with? Unless you actually go and do it yourself. Even Peter had to step out of the boat and start walking on the water, right? So it's the same thing with us. So you guys can have this. And I'm telling you, if you're willing to do this, this is going to be the most amazing turning point in your life. Like you will walk with God and you're going to be like, oh my word, what have I been missing? And my answer would be everything. Because <laughs> it's true. Because when there's weeks that go by where I am just kind of going through the motions and I miss this stuff, I mean, my life just feels like crap. I feel like dirt because I've not separated myself to spend time with God to make good decisions. And my life shows it. You may never see it, but I know it. God knows it. I mean, the last few weeks for me have been probably one of some of the worst weeks I've had in a long time because I've just been an idiot. Just being honest. There are things in my life that I've just been flat out lazy with and I need to do better. And I've been thinking about this message. I've been thinking about the last few messages and it's been super convicting to me. And so I had to have a good talk with God this morning, and I need to be different. I need to. There's a lot at stake. So I hope this helps you guys. Um, let's go ahead and pray, and then you guys can get out of here. God, thank you so much for this, uh, this time that we could spend in the Word. And God, I pray that you would use this however you want in everyone's heart and life. And I pray, God, that, um, that people would actually take this and run with it, and that they would actually live this stuff out and see how it can change them from the inside out. So thanks, God, for your patience, and thank you for just... The ways you teach us things over and over again, and you never quit on us. And so, um, and, and also, just God, thank you for wanting a real relationship with us. Not something that's religious or fake, but something that's like real, that we can actually have. And so I pray that we would not take that for granted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget about winter camp. Uh, we got the sign-ups in the